Oh, it's great to see you today. Welcome to Birmingham City Church. If you're here for the first time or if you're a returning guest, I've seen some people who've come back to us. I am so thrilled. I feel like like the father in the prodigal. I do. I just want to come over and hug you. In fact, I've been hugging people all morning. So if you're near me, you're going to get hugged today. Isn't that unusual? It really is. Oh, I really care about you today. The Lord loves you. You know, we're talking about hope pursued. I don't know about you, but at this time of the year, do you get shattered? Oh, hang on. Is it only me? Is some people, are you just like you thinking, oh, I just want to finish work. Is that me? You know, you get to the last, you know, you've got, you might be an invoice clerk and you say, I just want to write the last invoice. Send it out. Of course, those beautiful people in the NHS, you're going to be saying, I just, oh, really want to care for these next hundred patients. <laughs> Don't you guys? And we just, let's just applaud our NHS workers. Come on. Come on. No, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of on my knees. I'm thinking, I just want to finish. Now, of course, preaching on Christmas Day will be an absolute privilege and we'll do it with verve and gusto. But, you know, by Christmas afternoon, most of us are like, oh, 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 you know, we're just tired, you know. And in a sense, we're talking today about hope pursued. And at many times this year, many of us don't feel like pursuing anything apart from the couch. And we're just pursuing, you know, we don't want to make a big statement about truth. We actually just want to close down. You know, I was on a plane this week to Belfast, a beautiful island that it is, and uh, you know, I sat on the plane and, you know, got in my seat and, and actually I, I, I got in there after this lady and I was by the window, she was by the aisle and I went in and she was so tired that she just collapsed on the seat and she went, oh, and she actually spread out over half my seat as well. And like in the end, I was like in the plane and my face pressed against the window. I'm not exaggerating. She just was so tired. And in the end, I just thought, you know what? I would normally say something, but you just seem so tired. I'm going to ride like this for 40 minutes, and you just have a good sleep. And she did. Can I just let you know that women snore as well as men? If you're, don't point at your wife, sir. You know, you know if you're a man in the house... Women, snore. She was like, she was really snoring. I was thinking, man, you're just tired. And you know what? She got up and I said, have a nice day. And just think, man, people are tired this time of year, aren't they? But you know, rather than, I want to talk to you about the magi, the wise men today, who made an arduous, and as Paul has so ably said, a, an arduous, tiring journey to come to the end and, and worship Jesus. But I'm not going to ask you to go to the ends of the earth or to make some big theological or philosophical pursuit today. But I want to ask you if you can be like the wise men who were open. You know, we all get so rushed and we're trying to finish our things. Me and Kathy did our Tesco. We did our big shop yesterday. Have you done your big shop yet? You know, Christmas can happen. We have a turkey. 
you know, we were a little bit like, you know, we were picking out the turkey, and there were people kind of picking out their turkey, and I was like, elbowing a little way so we could get the best turkey and all of that, you know. And then the Lord was convicting me, saying, Mark, just be Christian now. But we've done our big shop. I was a, I just got up in the morning and I was dreading it. I was thinking, man, this is going to be awful. But then I thought to myself, no, get your game on. Get your game on, you know. I mean, Dawn is a major. I was like Tesco General. And I was there just doing the shop, getting it done. I don't know where you're at today, whether you just feel exhausted, whether you feel like, I just want to finish, but rather, I wonder if you could, rather than just closing down and just getting through church, I just wonder whether or not I could ask you to be like the Magi. Let's read about them, the wise men. It's in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to just read 12 verses, is that Okay. Matthew chapter 2, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, or wise men, came from the east. They came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who, is, who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And we've been worshiping him today. When King Herod heard this, He was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. I want you to notice that phrase. All Jerusalem heard about it. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. I wonder if today you need someone who can shepherd you. Who's got authority, he is a ruler, but actually he's got a heart to you of a shepherd to care and to bring you to a good place. I'm going to speak about the 23rd Psalm next week and we're going to make an anointing service where the shepherd ushers you out of this year and carefully into the next year. I wonder if you need a shepherd today. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out From them, the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report it to me so that I too may go and worship him, you dirty liar shepherd. You had no, uh, Herod, you had no intention. You had no intention of worshiping him. You were going to kill him. Don't believe everything that everybody says in the Bible. Some people are lying. And God's highlighting that. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, 
they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Isn't it great how honest the Bible is? It reports accurately what Herod says, but it's actually he's lying. The Bible doesn't varnish things. In fact, in the scriptures it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. If you take that one half of that sentence, there is no God, you would actually say the Bible says there is no God. But you see, you've got to look at what the scripture is really saying. Because it's a foolish thing to say there is no God. Rather than us closing down and shutting down and beginning to say, I just don't want to hear anything else. Just let me get through this week. I wonder if we could just for a few moments learn to be like the wise men and be open in the same way that they were open. Many of us would say that we want to be open people and open to fresh things, but we don't want to be gullible. Yes, I was that young apprentice on the factory that somebody sent me around the factory for a left-handed spanner. And I went around asking each several departments, have you got a left-handed spanner? And they were all laughing at me because I was gullible when I was young. Now, I'm not asking you to be gullible in the sense that you'd receive anything that was silly into your life. But I wonder, many of us would think, yeah, I'm open. I'm open. I'm not so closed down that I can't receive a new idea. Many of us would want to be, yeah, come on, Pastor Mark, I'm open, but I am wisely open. I'm not so open that I don't become gullible and a slave to somebody else's thinking, but I'm actually open to new ideas. Are you? Are you open? Or are you wrapped up Closed up, shut down. Some of the good things that God's got for you, you've already closed your mind off to them. Hey, just look at the person next, sitting next to you as if they've got their arms folded and say, loosen up a bit. <laughs> you just caught somebody out. Somebody's just gone, oh, no, not me. I'm totally open. Open here. Open gate. Open all hours. I'm open. Let anything in. No, no, no. See, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to be open, but we need to be wise. Like the Magi were wise. How can we be that? I just kind of notice four things about them, about how they can be wisely open. How they can be the sort of, how we can be the sort of people that are not just so closed in our minds, that we're not open to something different. By the way, Did you notice that the wise men traveled in a group? That actually their search and their pursuit for truth and a a new hope, uh, you know, their pursuit of it, they did it together. And let me say to you that if you're searching for something, the best way to actually find truth is to do it together. The thing is to stay in the community of faith. Don't withdraw and think to yourself, oh, you know, I can do this on my own. You can't do this on your own. Can I hear an amen, church? 
Let me know that you're listening to me. You know, actually, as the wise men travel together, you need to travel with some people and find some truth. And that's why we're going to spend some time in the new year putting in a foundation of wisdom together so that we can build. Because we only want good things for your life. But God will lead you as he leads you. The first thing I noticed about these wise men is that they were open about their seeking. That actually, do you notice that they marched into Jerusalem and says, where's the king? We come to worship him. The whole of the city heard about their seeking. That actually, that they weren't closed in the fact that they were on a journey. In our culture today, we don't like to admit that we still don't know something or we're seeking something. I was listening to Five Live this week and Tyson Fury, uh, you know, the Gypsy King boxer, he was uh, saying, and he'd done several interviews where he's been very open about his faith, but the interviewer said this week, they said to him, and your faith is very important to you, isn't it, Tyson? Would you like to talk about that? And he said this. This is exactly what he said. He said, religion is a private matter and I don't want to say anything about it. I think he'd been burnt so much by the media that he didn't want to say anything about it. But can I say to you today, BCC, do you believe that religion is a private matter and you can't say anything about it? Not at all. You see, you have to be a bit open with the fact that you are seeking. You know, I wonder if you're holding back. That actually, you're quite attracted to the fact that there may be a God or that there may be more in God for you. But you just don't want to, it's kind of a, I don't want to let that out. I kind of am seeking, but, but I'm holding back. It's, it's my thing. I'm, I'm closed in. I'm wrapped up. You know, one of the things that I've learned, that as you say that you're seeking... It helps you seek. One of the things that I've learned is that we confess. In fact, James tells us, we confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to one another for healing. And that one of the lessons that I've learned is, is that if you can say to someone, will you help me in my search? Then your search gets power in it. Then your search gets Momentum to it. That it isn't all just about you. And the wise men walked into Jerusalem and said, where's the king? We want to worship him. They were open about their search. And I'm not encouraging you to go around to absolutely everybody and, and share everything that you're seeking about. But what if you confessed and said, help me. And stop being so closed. You could be open. And God would come into that search. I'm not asking you to be gullible or unwise. But even as Christians, sometimes we just think we've got it all wrapped up and we know everything that God's got on his agenda. And yet God's got much more on his agenda. Open up and say, hey, let's seek together. The second thing I notice about these magi and wise men is they had an open attitude that helped their seeking. Think about it for a moment. They went to Jerusalem and talked to a king who they didn't know, who then brought in priests and teachers who they didn't know. And they 
received from them some teaching about where the Messiah was to be born. And he was to be born in Bethlehem according to their scriptures that they didn't, that the wise men didn't know about. They were from 1,200 miles away. They'd not met these people. And yet their attitude was, if you've got some teaching that's new to me, I'm going to be open to it because it'll take me on my journey. And when they left, where their old information that they'd got, their star, when they left with the new information of the scriptures of where they should go, when they left with the new information, the old information came to life and they followed it and found it. I wonder if you've got an attitude. In fact, it says when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They weren't the sort of people that were saying, oh man, let's just get through this. Just quick, dump the gifts, let's just get through this. They were actually, no, we're overjoyed about this search. Christian, have you become a little bit weary about your Christianity? Is your search and your journey a little bit arduous, a little bit hard I wonder if you need an attitude change. You know, everything changes when you've got a good attitude, doesn't it? You know, when you go out something positive, like when I went to Tesco yesterday, you know, at first I'm thinking, oh, the big shop. Just can't stand it. And then I thought, no, I can handle this. I'm the general of Tesco. I can shop. I'll get that turkey, we'll get it, we'll close it off. You know what, we met several people who were at BCC, are at BCC, where, hi, happy Christmas, I was doing all this. And suddenly, we'd done the big shop, it was over. Everything changes when you've got a good attitude. Come on, BCC, I wonder if you could lift your attitude and say, hang on, God, God has got some things for me. I know that some of you have had a tough year. I know that some of you, you've lost relatives and you've been through the, the valley of the shadow of death and you are in bereavement. I understand that. But lift your head up because Emmanuel, God with us, is here right now to comfort you, to bless you. Fill your life. You know, we've just got new trams in Birmingham. And they've just extended it. It's taken them a while, hasn't it? And, and if you've worked on that, well done. It's made our city centre great. And you can get to Wolverhampton from the centre of Birmingham right now. But I was looking at those tram lines the other day. And, uh, you know, being a tram driver, I'm sure that it's a really skillful job. But you don't go a different route, do you? <laughs> you know what I mean? After a while, you go, well, I'm going around this curve again. You know, you're in the tram and you think, oh, I think I'll just go a different route and the tram's going, no, you won't. (laughs) You know, we've got new trams in Birmingham and I think some of us have got old tram lines in our minds. Some of us have got the same ways of thinking that it's always going to be like that. Actually, the Magi heard new teaching 
looked and saw the star, lifted their attitude and were overjoyed and began to say, hey, all this faithfulness that we've been done, it's coming to a fruition. And I want to prophesy over you, all the faithfulness that you have done over this year, it's coming to a fruition. It's coming. God has got something for you. And maybe you need to lift your attitude. It's terrible working with people, isn't it, who've got a bad attitude. You know, you buy them a present and they're thinking how small it is already. You know, I I had some questions this week, uh, a couple of questions. And then as it transpired, as I was going through answering the questions, the person already had the answer that they wanted to have. And actually, they weren't asking a question. They were opening a door for me to walk in it so that they could tell me what they believed anyway. Have you ever had a question like that? I was with a taxi driver, and uh, he was saying, and this is what he said to me. He said, Pastor, can you help me? Actually, what that phrase meant was, let me tell you why I'm not changing. Because his attitude was closed. Are you closed? Are you the sort of person that nobody ever helps you? Are you closed? Are you very much, my door is only open one way. But never, never, never comment on this way. You see, we need to be wisely open and choose some wise people to help us in our journey. And our attitude needs to lift. You do that in prayer first. And God shows you who to speak to. Third thing that I notice about these wise men is that they were open to giving of themselves. And that actually, they just weren't trying to find an answer. That, that their search was a two-way street. The Bible actually says that they opened their treasures. Treasures that they were carrying. And they opened their treasures and worshipped Jesus with their treasures. I know it's metaphorical, but can I just say to you that God's put treasure in you? That actually you are hardwired by God. That actually he's given you some gifts, he's given some things that are inside of you. And we talk a lot at this time of year, about how God's come and he forgives our sins, but actually God's come to draw out and to call out some of the gifts and treasures that he's wired into you all of your life. I was talking to our friend Graham from the uh, Salvation Army and he said how he came to faith was through his musical talent that actually he, before he was a, a Christian he was playing in, in church and God drew that out and then drew him into faith and actually as he came to faith it changed his music and it changed his gift to be something higher and greater. You see, God wants to draw out of you the treasure that is already hardwired into you. But you see, if you're wrapped up and closed and, and you think, don't know whether God's got anything new for you or life's treated you tough and even as a Christian you're thinking, oh, you know, it's not as, as good as they, these pastors say it is, is. But what you need to do is just open up and say, God, bring out of me that which you've put in me. They carried their treasures and broke them open 
in worship. I wonder if you've got a treasure that none of us know about because you're hiding it. I just come back from Chicago, as you know, and Pastor Albert Tate there, who, was, who I was with, uh, tells a story about how he went into a prison. And the prison was uh, Angola. It's named Angola. It's one of the most bloodbath prisons, dangerous place. In fact, he says that when he first went there, he, they went in the chapel and he said, aren't you, aren't you going to chain the prisoners to the pews? You know, he said, oh, do we have to have church? He said, well, how are they going to clap their hands? He said, can't they clap in the chains? He said, well, what if we sing the song, he set me free? That's not going to look good. <laughs> he said, I was really scared. So there were murderers and so on. So, you know, he's, he's in the prison. And now there were so many people becoming Christians. It's one of the most blood-washed prisons. He tells a story about a guy who... They found an old piano in the prison and it was rat infested and got feces in it and they cleaned it out. And he, what he did was he, he fashioned it with the wood and he turned it into a guitar. And it was really great. He said, wow, you've done a great job there. And so a church, one of the wardens went to, they heard about it and they brought an old piano into the prison and, and he, he, he got the wood from that and fashioned that into a guitar. And then another church in the area heard about it and they sent a piano into the prison and they fashioned that into a guitar. And this old piano that played one tune was now made new by being reshaped, restored and redeemed to play a new tune. Is anybody getting the picture here? So anyway, my friend Albert, Pastor Albert Tate said, why don't we just miss out the piano and just haul some wood in? And the prisoner said, oh, Pastor, you don't get it. When I see the old piano, I think of my life and the old tune that I was playing. And when I make it into a guitar, I realize the new music and the new tune and the new life that God has given me through restoration and redemption. You see, church, God wants to draw out of you treasures, but he also wants to change, redeem and restore you. Are you open? Could you go be open to go on a journey? See, the last thing that I notice about these wise men is that they were opening to journeying a different way. Verse 12 is quite stark. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country a different route. Now, there might be some ministries and there might be some churches that might say to you, that, hey, just come to Jesus and you can be who you are. But actually, you cannot accept Jesus or encounter him. And everything won't stay the same. He will lead you on a different path. That path will be better. It will be higher. It will be different. But it will be different. Are you open to going home a different route? Now, after the gridlock in Birmingham yesterday, I would advise you to go home a different route. Did you see the news? I mean, there were so many people in Birmingham yesterday. They were in the bullring, and people were going, you know, and, you know, you wanted to go into Boots, but the crowd, there's too big a crowd to go into Boots, so you end up in Superdrug. (laughs) 
you might be crowded out in your life. You might think you've got lots of circumstances, but Jesus kind of picks you out of the crowd and moves your route a different way. I just want to say to you, are you open to a different path? In fact, I want to say that to those of you who've been in the community of faith and in the church a long time. And I just feel in 2020 that there's going to be some new pathways for some people. I, I was talking that to some, uh, a couple earlier in the church and I was praying for them the other day and I saw in my mind an open door and I thought today I was going to prophesy over them and say, you know, uh, I just feel like God's got an open door. And he said to me, well, Pastor Mark, I've got a new job three weeks ago. I wasn't prophesying. I was confirming what God is doing anyway. What I'm saying to you is, could you be open for God opening a different pathway for you? You see, I came by to say, I know you're tired. I know you're ready to finish. I know you're ready to relax and have all that time. That's fine. But can you leave your heart open to what God wants to do with you? Can you not let that work weariness overcome your heart whereby your mind and your spirit shuts down? Can you take a rest but keep that heart and mind open? You know, there's an old story, it's kind of humorous, about what if the three wise men, if they were three, would have been three wise women when they visited Jesus? Well, it says that they would have asked for directions properly, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and bought practical gifts. I believe that's the men applauding. Isn't that right, women? You probably would have done something a bit more. Although, although it's a bit humorous and it's a little bit satire, you know, there's much to be said, actually, in the defense of these wise men. I don't know whether there was three. There might have been 40. Could you imagine that? 40 wise men. I want to put some wisdom into your life in the new year so that you become a wise person. Make sure you get the book next week. But you know, the Magi visited and they offered these three gifts. And on first appearance, the gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh doesn't seem too practical. I mean, they should have bought nappies, rusks, Milk. Now, whilst it's true that these gifts weren't practical, nevertheless, they were appropriate. Because the wise men bought gold presented for a king. And the gold emphasizes that Jesus' identity, the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one, he's the king. And actually, if you read your Bible ever so careful, he's a little bit of a Bible geek moment. When you read Matthew, in the book of Matthew, they call King Herod, King Herod, only at the start. And then when Jesus is accepted and born, he's just known as Herod because there's only one real king in town. But, you know, they brought gold because he's a king. They bought frankincense, and frankincense was used in offerings. And they, and they, and they used to use offerings in, uh, frankincense in offering to worship to God. And when they brought frankincense, they were recognizing that there was something divine and, and, and there was God-like about this baby, that actually he was God and that he had a divine nature. I can't explain it to you properly. 
how God could become man. But the wise men sniffed it, they got it, and they showed it by their gifts and said, he is divine. There's something different about Jesus. And then strangely, they brought myrrh, which was actually used in embalming and preserving at funerals. His whole life purpose was to die. To die on a cross for you and me. To die so that my sins and your sins could be taken care of. You see, even today, in every age, when you understand the search, it's going to take some of your treasure. It's going to take some of your time. And they spent, they had traveled 1,200 miles to be there. It took their time. And it's going to take some of your talent. You know, they used their talent as astrologers to find their way. As we commence this new year, let's follow the lead of the Magi. As we come to the end of one year and go into another, let's be like them where we give ourselves entirely to God. We give him our treasure. We give him our time. We give him the talent that we have and that we stay open. Can I say to you as an older Christian today, there is more in God for you. Stop closing down. You know the Bible. You know all the parables. When somebody says, let's speak about this parable, you go, yeah, know that. There is more for you. Can I hear an amen, older Christians? Stay open. Can I say to you, if you're here and you do not know what this is all about, could I ask you, just in a wise way, to be thoughtfully, kindly open? January 15th, come on our Alpha course. Ask all the questions that you've got. Journey. And stay open. Don't be the person that is actually, in reality, you're a tram driver in your thinking. With greatest respect to any tram driver in the house. <laughs> that you're just going over the same things over and over again. You see, the search for you cost him dearly. Tim Keller tells a story of a professor who lived in a three-story house and his wife had to go out. And his wife goes out and he's got three boys under eight. Now those of you who are parents are going to get this. So he thinks to himself, you know what, I'll just do my work on the third floor upstairs. I'm just going to let the boys play downstairs. You know what's going to happen, don't you? So he's a little bit into his uh, work and he hears a story downstairs. He starts hearing a ruckus downstairs. He starts hearing the mess downstairs. And he shouts downstairs, just share. Just behave. Just share. Of course, those of you parents know how helpful that was. (laughs) You know, so he's upstairs. He's trying to get on with his work. And he's downstairs. You know, we could finish if you get this illustration really quickly. He's upstairs and they're downstairs. And they're fighting and they're fussing. And they're uh, getting on at each other. And there's a problem downstairs and he's upstairs. You see, he's upstairs and he shouts downstairs, Sort it out! Just sort it out! 
And they're downstairs and he's upstairs. You know what? Is anybody getting this illustration yet? He's upstairs and they're downstairs with a problem. And you know what he has to do? Get up off his seat and God gets up off his throne. He walks downstairs and says, I've come down here to sort out the problem myself. I'm not shouting at a distance. I'm saying not share. I'm coming down to be with you to sort out this problem. You know, we'll get out of here if you really, really get this illustration. Because I know a God who is upstairs and he's come downstairs to help you to sort it out. Could you be open to that? I'm going to ask the worship team to come and they're going to sing you a song. I want you to stay transfixed in your seat and think about this God who would leave upstairs... Come on, folks, and come downstairs. Not shout at us from a distance, but come and say, I want to sort out everything that's bothering you. How you don't get on with your neighbor, how you don't get on with your family, how things have broken in your life. I want to say to you, I can fix that with you. Will you open your heart? And will you be able to say, I'm open to Mary's child?
that your baby boy was Lord of all creation. Yes, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping child your heart Come on, let's all stand to our feet. You see, Mary was open. Mary was open to God. Whatever you have said, do that as you will, and I will do it. Are you open? Could you be open to just confess your search? Could you just tell somebody? Could you be open to lift your attitude? Could you be open to not hold back your treasures? Could you be open?